This episode is brought to you by Thorn, the industry leader in nutritional solutions. Now, Thorn is actually trusted by eight U.S. national teams and championship teams in the NFL, NBA, and Major League, as well as recently becoming the official sports performance nutrition partner of the UFC. So when it comes to supplements... The tactical athlete space and the athletic space need two things. We need efficacy, meaning the products do what they say they're going to do on the label. And then we need to trust the fact that we are not going to fail either athletic drug tests or work-related drug tests. Now, Thorne has actually been around since the 1980s, where they were used by physicians and hospitals for nutritional supplements for the patients. They were so successful that athletic teams and even special operations teams reached out to them and they started supplying them as well. Very recently, they actually opened their doors to the general public. Now, what sets Thorne apart is they manufacture their own products in a state-of-the-art NSF-certified facility in South Carolina. They use only the purest possible ingredients formulated with no stearates or arbitrary fillers in the cleanest manufacturing process. Most of you listening come from a profession where it can take its toll physically and mentally, and many of us are not able to bolster our nutrition purely with the food that we eat. And that's where supplementation comes in. So if you're ready to maximize your health and performance, visit thorn.com, T-H-O-R-N-E.com. Take a short product quiz to be paired up with the perfect health and fitness supplements. And for you, the audience, if you use the code BTS10, behind the shield 10, BTS10, you will get 10% off your first order. And if you want to learn even more about Thorn, go to episode 323 of Behind the Shield podcast and you will hear my interview with Wes Barnett and Joel Totoro from Thorn. This episode is sponsored by 511, a company that I've used for well over a decade and continue to use to this day. And 511 is offering you guys, the audience of the Behind the Shield podcast, a discount on every purchase you make with them. Before we get to that code, I want to highlight a couple of products that, again, I personally use today. One of the most impressive products they just released is their Rush Backpack 2.0. Now, for many of you, whether you're going to the fire station, the police station, whether you're traveling with your family, whether you're taking training courses, we have to fly, we have to drive, we have to take trains. And I have to say, I own multiple backpacks, many of uh, 5.11's different ones, but as far as a day pack, this one was the most impressive. There are so many different compartments. The way it sits on your back is incredibly comfortable. If you are a concealed carry person, there's also a spot for a weapon. So they've thought of multiple, multiple things that a man or woman would have to do on a daily basis. That is in addition to all of the products that I talk about a lot. Their uniforms fit for men or fit for women in the first responder professions. The footwear that they offer, whether it's the Norris sneaker or the Atlas system that is designed for foot health and therefore knees and back and hips and shoulders and neck. As a civilian, I live in a lot of their clothes as well. Their jeans stretch. You can actually squat down in them. We live in Florida here, so I wear a lot of their shorts, which again, very, very lightweight material. You can get it wet and it will dry almost immediately. And then moving to the fitness and tactical space, I used to have just a regular weight vest. Recently, I switched to a 511 vest and actually bought ballistic plates as well. My thinking was simply, if I'm going to have a vest, why not have one that protects me as well? And that TAC vest is trusted by law enforcement all around the country. So I mentioned they were going to offer you a discount code. So if you go to 511tactical.com and enter the code SHIELD15, S-H-I-E-L-D-1-5, 
you will get 15% off not just that one purchase, but every time you visit their store. And if you want to learn more about 5.11, their mission, their products, then listen to episode 338 of the Behind the Shield podcast with the CEO and founder, Francisco Morales. Welcome to episode 608 of Behind the Shield podcast. As always, my name is James Gearing, and this week it is my absolute honor to welcome on the show Cliff Walker. Now, Cliff is a lifeguard, a naval veteran, and a federal firefighter. So we discuss a host of topics from his journey into the military, transitioning into municipal fire, firefighter fitness, the combat challenge, USS Battle Series, and so much more. Before we get to this incredibly powerful and brutally honest conversation, please go to whichever app you listen to this on, subscribe to the show, leave feedback, and leave a rating. Every five-star rating truly does elevate this podcast, making it easier for others to find. And this is a free library for you, planet Earth. So all I ask in return is that you help share these incredible men and women's stories so I can get them to every single person who needs to hear them. So with that being said, I introduce to you Cliff Walker. Enjoy. Cliff, I just want to start by saying thank you so much for taking the time to come on today. I know we talked months ago now. Um, we, we, we kind of pushed it to to this time period so that we can be fresh for all the exciting things you got coming up. So welcome to the podcast. Yes. Well, hey, uh, uh, thank you for having me. And uh, uh, what an honor, man. I I think it was on me. I think it was me. I had something going on. I think yeah, I was thinking I was getting married or something like that. So that might have done it, but uh, yeah, man, it's uh, not about when you get started, but uh, how you finish here. So thanks for having me aboard, man. Well, and congratulations. Uh, I didn't realize that, that that was so recent. So yeah, you just asked me about right. my anniversary. So there we go. Thank you very much. Uh, sold a home, bought a home, got married, did some cross-country touring, and oh yeah, and we got an event coming up. So uh, a lot going on, but hey, such is the fire service, man, right? You... Uh, you kind of uh, don't know what you're getting into, and uh, uh, but you prepare. You prepare and, and you count on each other. So, uh, you know, excited about it, man. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, it's going to be a great conversation. So for people listening, where on planet Earth are we finding you today? Where am I? Uh, let's see. Sort of the globe, man. I'm on uh, Ontario, California. Ontario. So, so Ontario, California is part of uh, San Bernardino County. So Southern Southern California, if you will. We're about a hop, skip, and a jump, about 35 or 40 uh, minutes from the coast, which is where you pretty much find me if you follow any of my my sites or whatnot. So that's uh, where I tend to gravitate towards. Absolutely. I, I do too. We have beautiful oceans here in Florida, obviously. So uh, Yes, you do. <laughs> so let's start at the very beginning. So tell me where you were born and then tell me a little bit about your family dynamic, what your parents did and how many siblings. Yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate that. So I was born uh, 55 years ago in some change uh, in Glendale, California, just hour and a half or so, uh, depending on, you know, what day, uh, time of the day it is, right? California traffic. So hour and a half turned into three and a half and in a heartbeat. So 
uh, yeah, Glendale, California. And uh, I have uh, uh, five sisters and uh, and one brother, man. We're kind of all situated. Well, I think we got one that finally bounced out and the smart one, right? But, uh, to Georgia, Georgia, Georgia Peach now, man. So she's a country girl and uh, grew up with some horses and all that. Really experienced the full uh, everything you you know you can experience here in Cali, from the mountains to the sea and everything in between. So uh, it's been a good ride, you know. So when I hear Glendale, I, I lived in Burbank for a while, and I know that butts right up against Glendale. When I think of it, obviously it's kind of urban now. There's a, a very strong Armenian um, presence as far as people that live there. So what was Glendale like growing up? So. Armenian presence. So Glendale, because I know this, you know, uh, those of you who uh, have done your homework and you really want to get on that fire department, right? Uh, so you did your, you did your, your homework, your background, right? So part of that was uh, just because I was born there doesn't mean I, I knew everything about it. I, I think, you know, at the age of uh, three, two or three, I was, we were out, but uh, still got a lot of, you know, still got family there. But uh, yeah, our Glendale is, is the second largest population, Armenian population in the world. So yeah, a little bit of uh, a little bit of uh, fun facts or, or what have you. But uh, also home to a lot of firsts, man. Um, I think thirty-one flavors. Thirty-one <laughs> flavors is a uh, uh, first uh, first major airport, I guess, Los Angeles. I mean, uh, the treaty between. Uh, what was it? Uh, Mexico and, and uh, America were signed, uh, signed, uh, signed right there, man. When California got turned over, I guess it was. I don't know, man. I don't want to say too much more. I'm going to have all our uh, <laughs> historians saying, what the fuck are you talking about, Cliff? <laughs> so I think I'm pretty right. Uh, it sounds right. like it, yeah. But I mean, it was just amazing. I mean, North Hollywood's another area, but I think of uh, Armenians. I think of the early UFC, Caro Parisian, and some of the guys that came out of that gym, and you know all the phenomenal Armenian Americans that we had fighting. Right, right. Um, you know, I uh, back in the days, obviously, I think it was more. Uh, you know, I mean, there's a big, big Filipino uh, population too, man, up in Eagle Rock, right. Eagle Rocks, while I lived there for about a stand. I was up on uh, Los Files, Los Files, uh, up on the hillside. So as you're cruising the five, where they're going, you're north or south. You look, you know, if you had north, you look up, up in the hills there, uh, Griffith Park and everything. It's where, where we were out for about a minute. But uh, yeah, they mostly, uh, you know, Hispanic probably communities uh, back in the day. And then, you know, like a lot of things, they they a little bit of a change. So, you know, but uh Still a beautiful place, man, but a little too, too, little too crowded for me. You know, I mean, I uh, like a little bit more open space, a little bit more, uh, not so much nut to butt, if you will. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so obviously you came from a large family as far as a number of brothers and sisters. What did your mom and dad do as far as professions? So uh, dad's no longer with this man, kind of looking uh, from up above, but uh, man, he set the tone, right? So he was a uh, prior Navy uh, himself, uh, Blue collar worker, pretty much jack of all trades, building, you know, electrician, you name it, man, he could do it. Um, didn't really get so much of that, you know, but other than then, just the drive to uh, to not quit, right, and um, and good family values. Uh, my mom, who is is living with us now, we bought this new home here in Ontario. 
uh, you know, same, pretty much the same thing, man. Just a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Uh, you know, mostly the, 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 the house, housewife and mom just kind of taking care of the kids and everything. Uh, I, I actually got from two different, two different families at an early age. So, you know, uh, kind of like, unfortunately the norm, but on the good note, I don't really have any, uh, any sad, bad stories, man. Uh, very blessed to have, uh, not just one great family, but two, two families, man. So got a lot of, uh, uh, to participate on, on both sides, man. And, uh, very, very blessed, very blessed for that. So. Brilliant. Yeah. Now, now you are in phenomenal shape even today at 55. So what uh, were thanks. you playing and what were you doing athletics wise when you were school age? Yeah. You know, so, uh, family wasn't really big on pushing towards sports. I think I just kind of just gravitated towards it. You know, I mean, uh, 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 soccer, soccer was a big one, uh, swimming, baseball, basketball. I, I actually got a chance to participate, uh, participate in pretty much everything you could think of. Not, not really hockey. Hockey wasn't, you know, doesn't uh, that and uh, lacrosse, you know, became bigger late, later on. But I think the meat potatoes, if you will, of the sports is what uh, I was into. BMX, uh, I think it's still a big thing, but it was really blowing up in the 80s, man. And on a couple of different sponsored teams and everything and uh, traveled throughout the U S and, and uh, that was really some really cool, cool stuff, man. But, you know, and I, I, I now promote that with my children. I kind of give them a taste of everything and they've gravitated towards what, uh, what works, uh, you know, what, what they felt that best with. Yeah. And I love that philosophy. My, it's the same with my son. He's in track at the moment. He's very embedded, but that's a consistent message I get over and over again from athletes, especially from from coaches, is the the best exposure for a child that may potentially become a resilient, high-level playing athlete is to expose them to multiple sports. I mean, firstly, to keep them you know, excited about play, but secondly, all those different planes of motion create stability and resilience in the human body versus, for example, a kid that's just doing baseball for years and years and years, and then we're wondering why we've got shoulder surgeries on our 16-year-olds. Right. No, no, correct, man. I mean, uh, every now and then, you know, you're running to that, that, that phenom that, you know, that's all they did and, they, and it worked out for them. But I think the majority uh, of people out there, you know, as normal human beings, right? Um, yeah, probably didn't end, end so well. And and now, uh, you know, they never really got a, got a chance to be exposed because let's, let's face it, dude, that's, we're talking to one percenters, one percenters, man, uh, who will achieve that, that professional level. So, um, you know, why wouldn't you not want to, uh, subject your kids or, or, or let them participate in everything they can and just kind of let them, let them figure it out, man. They could give just as much, you know, and they're going to, they're going to find out uh, sooner or later what it is, um, you know, that fits, fits them best, man. But I think to be well-rounded uh, makes for a well-rounded person, you know, and, 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 and everything we do, you're, you're exposed to more people, uh, different cultures. And uh, like I said, uh, uh, you know, being part of a team teams, I think is key in anything we do. It helps you to understand, uh, you know, what's, what's going on in the world, especially now, you know, with, with, uh, uh things the way they have been, you know, uh, thank God. Uh, and as I've told people 
hey man, we're uh, we're really good at uh, uh, you know staying in the fight and uh, and getting through things. So uh, looks like we're 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 getting there. Uh, you know, we got other shit in the world going on, but uh, when is there not? Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah absolutely. It's, I think, it's, sadly, it's more so which which of the shit in the world is is newsworthy right now versus you know there truly being you know one one individual conflict. Because I mean, these sadly these atrocities happen all over the world, all over you know, all the time, and you know it's it, it almost is sickening. Like, okay, this is the this is the conflict of the year. We're going to highlight this, you know, versus well, if we're against all that kind of thing, then let's talk about all the other ones at the same time. But, you know, I'm seeing this being used as yet another vehicle to promote advertising on news agencies, which is not, you know, what humanity is supposed to be about. No, man, no. I mean, um, you know, again, uh, the people that lead from the front uh, and, you know, have the right objective, I think at the end of this uh, will will prevail, you know. So we're seeing that right now, man. We're seeing a lot of good. Uh, Obviously, there's always you know, uh, people's true characters. And uh, I think what we're all about really uh, are highlighted and come out when when things such as what we went through, still kind of going through tail end. And then now with what's going on, um, you know, overseas right now. So uh, like I said, just it, it, we're going to get through it. And, uh, um, you know, just as long as we keep, keep, uh, the right attitude and, and, uh, and moving forward. I think that's, that's it. You know, and you hope you, you learn through, through history and, and, uh, apparently some, some, some of us don't, man. Absolutely. <laughs> well, and I know that you were stationed in a very, uh, important part of, you know, World War II history. So we'll get to that in a bit, but it's very pertinent, I think. So when you were school age and you're playing all these sports, what were you dreaming of becoming then? You know what, man? I got a uh, my my stepfather. He liked to do a lot of a lot of traveling, man. So uh, you know, uh, becoming a forest ranger, man. Becoming a forest ranger, uh, wildland firefighter uh, was always was always key. You know that, and then later on, uh, you know, dreamt about you know uh, following the footsteps of uh, my dad, grandfather, and uh, you know little history in the Navy and then, um, you know, maybe getting onto the teams if, you know, if that was, you know, a possibility, but, uh, uh, I know it was going to be something that, uh, uh, would match my, uh, my energy level. Right. And, uh, you know, again, on both sides was exposed and allowed to kind of go out and, uh, kind of find myself. Right. So, um, you know, being outdoors. So, uh, forest ranger, uh, firefighter, wildland firefighter, uh, and then later on uh, in, in, to the military. So that was pretty much it. And I kind of stuck with that program and, and went with it. <laughs> so what was the first profession you found in after you graduated then? Oh, boy. So, well, a little bit before that, I mean, I, I got into, uh, 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 I was always, you know, somewhat of a waterman, but, you know, some some might have different definition, but me, someone that just kind of feels very comfortable around the water, and uh, likes all aspects from diving to surfing, uh, um, you know, um, you, you name it. So um, from paddleboarding to paddleboarding, canoeing, kayaking, all that, uh, but the lifeguarding. So I uh, uh, started out with the Los Angeles County Parks and Rec, working with the pools, and then kind of uh, inspired to go on and uh, 
lifeguard someday, right? Um, but uh, at 18, I joined the service and uh, soon found myself down in San Diego, uh, California, uh, when they had the NTC, Naval Training Command, San Diego down there. Now, I believe it's all out in Great Lakes, right? So, uh, yeah, 18 joined the Navy and uh, got shipped out to, to Hawaii. But, um, you know, there's there's a story, you know, we could, I, I don't mind sharing before that what what the, 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 the goal actually was. Um, and kind of a funny twist, but uh, ended up working out, working out okay. Please, if you want to tell the story, please tell it. Yeah, no. So uh, when I went in, I, I, I you know, wanted uh, uh, back then, I mean, there wasn't so much uh, being advertised as it is now with uh, uh, spec warfare and the seals and whatnot. But it's something I looked into, obviously, because it was something to do with, uh, you know, even the Navy <laughs> water. Right. Uh, but uh, wanted to do a little bit more than that. So, uh, you know, I geared up and, 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 Felt I was ready, but uh, back then, uh, you know, you take the ASVAB to get in the military, right? And uh, uh, this kind of uh, is a general test and lets the Navy know what you're good at, what you're not so good at, what you excel at. Uh, and they take two scores, uh, arithmetic reasoning uh, and word knowledge, WK and uh, AR, right? And uh, these are like word, math, word problems, if you will. So you know, train A and train B and, and such. Um, and then you're graded on that. And then the word knowledge is, uh, you know, just sentences and punctuation and all that. So that was, that was pretty high. That was pretty good. Uh, during high school, you're allowed at, uh, if you have the credits to, to bounce out at, uh, uh, at 10th grade. And I took it, right. Cause it meant one less class and more time in the water surfing. So, uh, but kind of wish I did it, man. So, uh, uh, you know, I, I get to the recruiter and he's like, yeah, you're good to go, Walker. When you get uh, to pool week where you got to show them your skills and, and your swimming, uh, raise your hand and tell them you want to want to go to Bud's. So I get there and, and uh, sure enough, they, they call your name out. And uh, and all I remember is, is, Walker, put your stupid ass hand down. And, and uh, <laughs> I'm like, what? What is, what is he talking about? And, uh, you know, but I still had to jump in the pool and I think I, I never swam. I was so pissed off, never swam so fast, kind of turned heads. And, uh, and, and, uh, you know, that was it. As far as I know, that was it. Hey, what am I going to do? I didn't have a second plan. I don't have a fuck plan B. I'll have a plan A. And I'm going to, I'm going to do this. Right. So never got that far. So apparently, uh, you know, now if you take the ASVAB and you don't score what you need, uh, you have a chance to redo it again and, and study up and everything. Um, you know, so anyhow, I, uh, uh, remember my dad having to come down and I wasn't having it. And I was thinking, I want to get out of here. And he's like, now nah, you're not. So he came down there and, uh, set me right. And, uh, and that was it. <laughs> so I was a model model recruit after that. And, uh, uh, and then after boot camp. They, you know, you you go to an undesignated category, and mine was in the engineering field, right? So, um, still not knowing what I wanted to do, you know, at, at the time it was machinist, mate, oiler technician, whole technician, and whole technician interests me because it was 
it, it was the closest thing to firefighting, shipboard firefighting. They took care of all the plumbing, welding, uh, and and firefighting, right? Firefighting. So, uh, but uh, so I so said that's that's the route I'm going to go. And uh, when it came time to give us our orders, right after only being there for a month, uh, you know, if you were designated a particular position, then you go somewhere else, maybe uh, uh, wherever they're training on a specific job and get trained up. It could be anywhere from, you know, a few months to a year or longer. Obviously with buds, that would be quite some time. Right. So, so I did my training and uh, got my packet, you know, and out of this little uh, envelope, you know, I'm starting to pull this information out. It's like picture of the diamond head and Holly Cole hotel and all this shit. I'm like what the hell? And, and it was the ship I was to report to, which was the uh, USS Bruton, and uh, which ironically was named after a Navy SEAL. I'm like, come on, God, what are you, hey, are you messing with me? Are you trying to tell me something? Like, what do I got to do here, man? But fuck it, I'll go. I'll go to Hawaii. So I went to Hawaii, and um, you know, after a couple of years, you can redo your ASVAB and, and all that, but. Uh, and I, uh, I uh, start getting really good at what I was doing. And uh, my detailer, kind of like your counselor, uh, noticed that I put down firefighting. And our rate, whole technicians, was getting ready to split and go into its own category called damage control. So damage control is the classification that if you were to match it up with the civilian world would be firefighter. So we would train, we would specifically take care of all firefighting uh, gear and operations, right? So uh, we'd have these repair lockers throughout the ship and there's somewhat like little small fire stations, right? So everything from, you know, uh, you know, from your turnout gear to your nozzles uh, to your uh, ventilation equipment, the jaws of life, all, all that thermal imagers, you know, and, and everything. So uh, yeah, I continue doing that. And, uh, uh, you know, finished uh, as an E6 when I got out, uh, did, did two enlistments. And after, after the Gulf War, uh, re-enlisted uh, and went shore duty. And I actually got to, uh, got to see what the other side does, right? That, that, that B team, right? The, the, uh, our brothers on the, in blue. <laughs> so I got to go security force and they sent me to uh, San Antonio Lackland where uh, I got to, got to finally shoot a gun, you know. Well, I shot it in boot camp, but uh, a little bit more specialized. And then once I got all my calls and got all my uh, uh, law enforcement uh, certification, sent me back to Hawaii and uh, um, was in charge of um, uh, naval weapons, like, you know, places where they store ammunition and whatnot. So. Uh, uh, that was it till I got out and, and into the fire service. Beautiful. It was such a, an interesting road. So starting first at being deployed to a fleet in Pearl Harbor from a yeah. legacy lens, what was that like? What, 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 were, what were the kind of history lessons that you guys were taught that you were literally physically in the same place as your forefathers in World War II? Yeah, man. Uh, you know, really not so much time uh, to kind of think about all that, I think that kind of hits you afterwards. 
But at the moment, you have, uh, you know, your mission at hand, what it is you're gearing up to do. I actually got sent from one ship to another ship uh, to augment their damage control. They were they were short on uh, uh, supervisors, right? So uh, they had just lost their uh, leading petty officer if, and, and, uh, and put the request out. Now, you would think we have a term in the Navy called uh, – Never again volunteer yourself. And apparently I, I uh, didn't learn that too well. So I went ahead and volunteered myself to go over to this other ship. And uh, this was the uh, the Goldsboro. And it was a guided missile destroyer, right? So uh, a little bit bigger than the ship I was on. I was on a, on a frigate, only about like 200 plus guys. I think uh, the Goldsboro had maybe 75 more, 100 more. I, I can't remember, man. But good group of guys and in, 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 in everything. And uh, so, yeah, man, that was it. My job, I didn't have too much time to think about all that. Uh, you know, it was, okay, this is what we're lacking. This is what we need to be, you know, get done. And, um, and just, uh, you know, here's your marching orders. Go ahead and get it done. So, you know, you didn't really have too much time to think about all that other than what the, the task at hand uh, is and eventually was. And, um, and uh, uh, towards the, the end of my enlistment, they could just keep me out in the Gulf. So, um, you know, uh, I knew that I wanted to go shore duty. So they, they flew me back. They flew me off my ship to a place um, called Diego Garcia. Have you heard about Diego Garcia, right? So um, it's, it's a cool, I haven't really talked about it much, uh, but if you, if you Google it, man, it's, uh, I think it um, is one of those territories, right? That's, that's uh, uh, something a U.S. territory, or we uh, just have a outpost there. So I, again, I'm so sorry, man. I paused. It's been about a minute, but uh, from Diego Garcia, I got shipped back to the states, and uh, uh, and that's where I started um, my uh, you know the next phase of my training, which was the security security training. But at the same time, I never lost my rate. I still stayed damage control just with the law enforcement uh, law enforcement uh, attached to it. So I apologize for that, man. But uh, um, and then when that was up, if I was going to reenlist again, then I would go back to the ships and continue with my firefighting uh, uh, duties. But uh, yeah. Well, you talked about the Gulf War. So what position were you in at that point? And then again, you know, not many people tell the story of the first conflict. So, you know, what was that like through your eyes? So again, you know, you're, you're young, man. You're about 22, I think, at the time. And, uh, you know, you, you, this is just the start. Really. So they don't really know what's going on. All I know is they, they limit you anyway. So you're your task to go out uh, and, uh, you know, the captain pretty much comes on, uh, lets us know kind of what, what's, uh, uh, what's about to go down and uh, uh, what our orders are. And, uh, you know, you don't have too much time to think about other than to do your job. Everybody has specific duty. And my job was to make sure that if, if uh, we took a hit or, uh, we were in a position to compromise the ship that uh, 
that my crew and, and everybody pretty much on a ship is involved in what's called the fire party, right? So again, we, we lead, um, you know, we, we, we lead that fight, but everybody from, you know, uh, machinist mates to ship store to the cooks, they could all be on your, on your fire party, right? Managing the hoses, doing communications and whatnot. Uh, so everybody uh, at that point is part of your fire department, right? So, uh, and every, every division has people that they, you know, they, uh, uh, in the event of an emergency, uh, will, will release and uh, to help combat whatever that is, whether it be flooding, to fire, uh, to medical or whatnot. So, so yeah, again, my, my position was, was uh, just to, uh, to deal with, with what you and I, you know, what you're currently dealing with and what I have is uh, whatever the situation that might arise, you just go ahead and answer the call to duty. So obviously you're on a ship, uh, most times you're inside, not like a submarine where you're, you know, 100% inside. So we can go top, you know, uh, top side, if you will. But most of the time you're, you know, you're within the skin of the ship. And uh, uh, so all you know is, is what's, what's about to happen or, or after it's happened. And then, then you go take care of it. Yeah. And you don't think of it that way that, yeah, I mean, a lot of people that come on the show were, you know, in Afghanistan, in Vietnam, in, you know, Iraq. And so they're surrounded by combat, you know, they're on, you know, fobs or whatever it is. But when you think of a submariner or, you know, someone on a ship, it must be yeah, quite bizarre different. because yeah, I mean, there's this whole thing going on outside and you, as you said, you're just, functioning the way that you've been taught and you might be complete not oblivious but have no kind of interaction with the results or anything external other than you know what you know, your your own your own entire universe is that ship or that submarine so we're so imagine yeah right so imagine um you know uh world war ii and you're out in the pacific and you know you're on a small boy what we call the, the smaller ships really you know they you got the aircraft carrier, and we're all protecting the mothership, right? So imagine being in the skin of the ship, and you got people not only shooting at you, uh, you know, uh, torpedoes underneath, up above, dropping bombs on you, shooting at you. But, um, you know, these guys, like you said, they were in the skin of the ship. They had no idea until it hit. Then it was time to go to work. Yeah, there were guys up above and, you know, and, and the gunner's mates and, and whatnot. And, uh, uh, you know, as part of damage control, we're, we're called fresh air snipes. A snipe is uh, an engineer, someone that works on the mechanics of the ship. So we were a little special to where we could go up and down, fire equipment's all around, inside, outside the ship. So, and then when you land helos and, and aircraft on board, we're part of that crash rescue team. So, um, yeah, we were privy to that. But for the most part, most people didn't know what hit him until it hit him that, that scared me right i'm sure that was a lot more scary than we were into we didn't know yet because we didn't experience experience any of that and you're always like not gonna happen to me right not gonna happen to me until it happens Absolutely. and it's like okay game fucking on yeah yeah now did your fleet see any combat in that conflict or were you more of the, the kind of uh, support role at that point and obviously there to mitigate something if it did happen in your so, arena are you able to look up real quick and anybody out there listening, look up the USS Goldsboro. 
during the Gulf War. Look up Goldsboro. And I believe we actually fired, again, man, don't quote me, sucker. But uh, I think we were the first first ones to fire, uh, fire, uh, fire some missiles, man. So, uh, yeah, I think we kind of, from what I was told and remember, I'll have to look it up here, but uh, I believe we kind of, kind of were the, the, you know, as far as the first ones to, to fire. So what I'm getting and, is that the first Gulf War was Cliff Walker's fault. Shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> I was in the skin of the ship. I was prepared. Hey, prepare for impact. Prepare for impact, man. But... Dude, it was crazy. You did have a lot of people kind of freaking out, man. It was crazy. And, and I guess you got to find out what you're made of and, and uh, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, again, man, I got no crazy stories, man. I wasn't knee deep and, you know, in the shit, dude, but uh, it was knee deep for what we needed to do, man. You know, and it was the, it was the unknown, but, um, you know, uh it 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 was definitely an experience and an honor and and uh um you know and definitely it's cool stories to share but uh man who would have thought uh you know uh this this long right that's crazy so you come back from that as you said you go into the the uh kind of mp the 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 policing side of of what you're doing um so what made you decide to make the jump to transition out and then also what was that transition like for you because there's another common denominator that comes out of 600 episodes now is a lot of us identify as the sailor the firefighter you know whatever it is and that transition from that purpose from that community that tribe to the next thing sometimes can be challenging for people correct so military right we you and i police um, rose in the uh, in blue uh, paramilitary organization. So uh, for myself, it was a, a easy transition. Uh, knew what it was like and what it took to work alongside others, and having uh, uh, not just others like you know working in a department store or whatever like that, but others where you literally have to uh, count on them uh, if you're going to make it back or not. So uh, this was something that I was used to. And and understood, uh, uh, I understood the mission, right? So uh, was that uh, that meme right now going around? He understood the mission. So yeah, man, without a doubt. So that was that was something that was very helpful. Um, you know, getting into the fire service, and I think it's one thing they look for when they're interviewing us is your experience and how well do you work with and alongside others, right? So. You're going to have to spend day in, day out uh, in very uncomfortable situations. And, uh, you know, this is what I think your true character and the nature of who you are, what you are, uh, comes out. So military gave me, um, well, actually the sports, back to sports, gave me the foundation. And then the military just um, built upon that. Uh, and then uh, that transition out into uh, the fire service was made easier by those those two um, 
you know, different, uh, different areas of training. So talk to me about your entry into, you know, the, the land firefighting, I guess, for lack of a better description. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, when I got out in 93, I actually didn't have anything set up with the fire service. I, I, I you know, uh, just found out about federal fire. So federal fire, for those out there you don't know, uh, we do the same thing. Uh, uh, and James, sorry, you, you, you let's say where you work for. Or, or uh, Yeah, if you want. Yeah, it's entirely up to you. Well, you, well, you, I mean, you work out for a municipal, for a city municipal out in Florida, correct? Yeah, no, I'm actually transitioned out. So, yeah. Transitioned out. Okay, yeah. sorry. So, I'm, so but, but, but you did. So, I worked, uh, still, I worked for the, for the government. So, when I got out of the, out of the government as an active duty member, um, you know, I should have gone, uh, now I look back at it, I tell everybody, I should have, st- you know, stayed in, so I'd have another paycheck, right, uh, reserves, but no, you know, I didn't really have anybody to kind of school me um, or help me out in that transition. So I got out and I went into uh, very fortunate uh, to get into the federal fire department. So the federal fire department uh, are firefighters that work for the military, uh, but are civilians. And uh, any base anywhere in the world, you will find us Department of Defense, right? So um, I got my start in, in Hawaii, but before that, I went to this, another little island called Johnston Atoll. And some people heard about it. Some people haven't. Um, it was a, a uh, island that was about you know, just barely above sea level, about a half mile wide, a uh, mile and a half, I think, in length. It, it, from, from above looking down, it looked like an aircraft carrier. Yeah, no shit, man. You look it up, Johnson Atoll. And uh, it was run by the Army. And then the Army kind of oversaw some like logistics and things, but the army on the uh, far uh, leeward side, uh, right, leeward side, uh, disposed of chemical weapons. So like all the mustard agents and all that stuff, right, from the prior wars, you know, get rid of that stuff. So we all had to carry around what our Mark Fives or our gas masks on us. And then every time the, 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 the island's uh, emergency broadcast system would, would go off, and, and I, you know, an island so small, you hear it when you're out in the water, underwater, anywhere, um, you'd have to mask up. So, yeah, so there's always that threat. But when I was there, it would go off occasionally, but I, I don't recall anything really happening. So I was there for a year as a firefighter, uh, EMT. And uh, ironically, because the Air Force oversaw the fire side of it, um, at that year in 93, 94 is when the military first came out with their certification system, the DOD certification, which is now, uh, I think, all IFSAT now, right? So uh, it all kind of intertwines. But uh, uh, so after I did my time there, I went back to Hawaii. Uh, Johnson Atoll, by the way, is 800 and something miles west, southwest of the Hawaiian Islands. Like it's going towards uh, Kwajalein and all that. So um, I like to go towards I think Philippines and Thailand and all that. So that was a cool experience, man. A lot of, I got my dive certifications where I got my start at and go with some pretty big, big fish, dude. A lot of sharks out there. And uh, so that was cool. And then I got back. And uh, as I got back, I think 
uh, I got a call from the federal HRO uh, offering me a position with the Hawaii Federal Fire Department uh, back at Pearl Harbor and then all the other bases because they're all, all kind of connected, right, together, whether it be Army, uh, Air Force or whatever, they're all under one command. So I worked there for about uh, three or four years or about yeah, four, four plus years. And then uh, 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 lifeguarded for, you know, uh, lifeguarded for a stint, uh, or at least went through the training. And uh, and then because of conflict of job and whatnot, wasn't able to continue on with that, which kind of sucked. But after being picked up and processed through, but it was never going to be uh, my, my, my main job. As, as you know, most of us have additional jobs and whatnot in the fire service. So I figured, you know, being a water guy, uh, that would transition really well. So uh, I went on and uh, continued to work Fed Fire Hawaii. And then uh, in 2000, uh, uh, me and my uh, soon-to-be bride at the time, uh, when I was married prior, uh, wanted to come to the main, she wanted to go to the mainland. And I said, sure, let's, you know, I'm, uh, know that, uh, very, very well versed with the mainland. So let's, let's head back. And, uh, that led to, um, wildland firefighting. So, uh, which was a whole different world, man. You'll see more fire fighting wildland fire than you'll ever see in your entire career, man. Probably one season. <laughs> so, that was pretty badass. Absolutely. And that was in the San Diego area. Have I got that right? No. So when uh, I first got back to the mainland, uh, you know, I'm putting in applications all over. So what's cool about the federal federal department is, um, you know, you could uh, apply a different basis and not lose your rank status or whatnot. So, um, yeah, you don't lose any time. It's not like having to reapply and, and interview and all that stuff. I mean, somewhat you have to, but for the most part, you're pretty much vetted, right? So they they know your history. Uh, you've already got your your special clearances and everything. Um, so Vandenberg Air Force Base uh, up towards Santa Barbara, very beautiful coastline area, right? And yeah, you, you know that area. So I thought I was getting picked up by the operations side, and uh, you know just the, the normal firefighting side, if you will. But it, uh, it was a group, uh, and I didn't know really what it, it was. I was so naive. Uh, hot shots, right? I'm like, I thought it was a joke. I'm like, all right, man, what do you guys fool yourselves, you know? And, and I know it sounds naive, it sounds crazy, but I literally did not know. And like, nah, 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 let's really don't know what this is. I'm like, nah, I didn't put in for it. And they said, well, your name came across our desk, and uh, uh, we are on base, and uh, uh, this is what we do. So I'm like, Shit, that sounds fun. So uh, packed up and uh, took off before the family because I wanted to make sure that I got through training. So I went through the Wildland Academy, uh, graduated, and uh, and then um, you know it was off to fight fires all over. Uh, well, our our group really didn't go out of state. We were pretty much just because our bread and butter was that base. Vandenberg would, would would light up all the time with all the missiles and everything firing off. So we had a lot of work there, but uh, we we went off base quite a bit, man. Some some pretty big fires, from what I remember. Uh, times where we had to be flown in on helicopter into certain sites, which was pretty bitching, man. Uh, it was a whole different world for me. Um, 
And then that transitioned over to uh, the following year with the Reading Smoke Jumpers. But, um, you know, uh, again, did not get to partake uh, in that as far as I made it through training. And then I got a call from uh, Camp Pendleton. And because uh, uh, that's really where I wanted to be back on the on the operations side. But um, so, uh, yeah, like I think after my 19th jump, uh, I got a call from Cap Pendleton and said, listen, it's Friday. If you're not here by Monday, uh, you don't have a job. I'm like, oh, shit, man. It's kind of promised mama that uh, and I'd get her, you know, some more money and, and uh, more steady, steady jobs. So, uh, you know, kept my word and, and uh, had a lot of people pissed off at me and, and I wasn't too happy. But, you know, uh, happy, happy wife, happy life. Right, brother? So, uh yeah, Cap Pendleton uh, is where I went. Yeah, well, I can relate to that. I moved across the country and back because of uh, yes, my wife. Yeah, so I can totally relate. So at that point, then you had been uh, on board, you know, uh, ship firefighter. You have then, you know, ultimately found yourself in the municipal side. You've done wildland, hotshot, and, and trained for smoke jumper and lifeguarding as well. So. And we're going to talk about some of the, the, the physical stuff in a minute that you're doing now and, and the combat challenge and other one I'd love to talk to. But so here you are, you're an athlete and you've clearly understood the importance of strength and conditioning in all the different roles that are under the firefighting umbrella. So talk to me about your own experience of, you know, maybe some of the, the best benchmarks that were set as some of these when you walk through a door. Um, and then what you're observing as far as, um, you know, uh, Maybe you've seen nothing but great promotion of health and fitness in our profession, or maybe there's some, some <laughs> as you pull a face, or what I've seen a lot of, which is there are some amazing human beings that own their fitness, but I do not see that supported and I don't see that bar held high. So I'd just love to kind of hear your thoughts on that. Oh, yeah, man. We got a whole other segment for that. So, and, 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 and man, it's amazing how we could be part of this, this most badass you know, team of firefighters, right? Um, you know, but still kind of, you know, find yourself being shunned, man, because, you know, you're a little too extreme. Well, how the fuck can you, you know, how are you too extreme in the fire service, man? That's what I thought we were supposed to be, like our charges. But yeah, but with uh, a method to the madness, if you will, man, we're not charging in. Uh, yeah, it's unknown as far as, what this structure is, what, you know, this, but we, we train for these things. Right. So that's, that's what I mean by that. But there, there's no excuse for not being trained up, uh, you know, fitness wise as well too. Right. You don't know what per se, like uh, we'll get into what, what I'm doing now, uh, you know, in my second, uh, third, fourth, whatever career, but in my new, you know, uh, transitioning out of the uh, fire service, but um, yeah, fitness has always been has been key. From we talked about it from the early ages, what I did coming to the military, onto the fire service. Uh, fitness to me is pretty much uh, set the tone and and setting that that uh, foundation, right? Yeah, do you get hurt? One hundred percent. But how do you recover from that? Is is key. So. Uh, you know, your body's big on, on muscle memory. So, um, you know, if, if we're all going to get hurt sometimes more than the others, 
but how you, again, how you heal from that uh, is big on what you've done to prepare for when that, that time comes. And, and, and I know, and, and uh, maybe a later time we'll talk about, it. I've had both Achilles completely cut. Uh, I, they did not snap per se, but uh, um, they got to the, the point where um, I had these bone mass, right? These, 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 you know, that would form. And, and uh, so every time I moved in my, my boots at work, um, they would flare up and the body does what it does. Comes in flames, it's slowed down. We need time to heal. And of course, I wouldn't listen to that. And then had to go through through surgery or whatnot. But I, I 100% believe, and this was still at a, uh, you know, at, at, you know, in my 40s, dude. So, like, I'm still up there. And if it wasn't for my prior training and knowledge of the anatomy physiology, you know, then uh, I wouldn't have bounced back. You know, I was already preparing, or at least, the doctor that worked on me, like, hey, man, you you got to consider maybe you're getting out. You're not going to heal from this, man. I, I'm good, but it's going to be a lot about who you are and what you're about. And uh, I'm like, all right, all right, we'll see. And, uh, you know, I, I listened to every single thing. Uh, physical therapy sucked, man. It's these little teeny movements. Like, what does that do? But that little teeny movements are bigger than anything you've ever done before. Um and so I highly recommend, you know, rec, uh, advise anybody out there to stick to the game plan, man, and uh, uh, see it through because it'll it'll definitely help you where where you want to go, where you, where you need to be. So, um, yeah, I think I, I I don't know if I kind of got sidetracked there, man. I apologize, but I know we were talking about training and some of the things I did to 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 get me to, to, to where I'm at or what I've done, and. Uh, so I'm a big advocate and promoter of, of health. And that's not just working out with the weights. I'm talking about the whole fitness, health, mental well-being. So how we eat, what you put in is definitely what you're getting out, right? So that's huge. And then the whole mental side of it, man, just, uh, uh, you know, positive attitude and, and a mindset. And again, I think uh, it's a whole full body uh, connection on, uh, on each and every one of them. I don't think there's one that's more so than the other, but, uh, if I had to pick, I think the mind, uh, you know, the, the mind portion of it, the mindset is, is key, you know, on, uh, what or how we're going to get through whatever situation, uh, lies in front of us. So you're talking about bone spurs to the point where you had to have Achilles sliced. And again, you look at a, a vibrant fit, well-conditioned young firefighter and you see this over and over again a lot of the, the fit guys and girls end up getting injuries or sadly there's another kind of path where it forks off and you become very deconditioned as a firefighter um and you know i don't think i always say this i don't think that 90 percent of the people standing on the the drill ground on their first day of whatever department is going, ah, I'm just going to, you know, do this for a bit and then I'm going to give up on my physical and mental well-being. You know, there's there's none of that. They want yeah, to no. have a, a, a long and healthful career, a healthy they career. They start out hard charging, yes. you know, and then it just kind of somewhere along just hit that recliner and they never get out of it, man. Exactly. And there are definitely, of course, ownership is a thing. Absolutely. But I've always said an environment creates ownership and in the fire service if you're in a department where there's no physical standards and you know you're getting your ass handed to you for 24 hours and you know so you're not sleeping these are factors that absolutely will 
cause you to fail or thrive, depending on if they're positive or negative. When you look back now with your AMP and, you know, strength and conditioning knowledge, I, for example, with the journey you've been on, okay, so for example, hot shots, now you're wearing the wildland shoes with the big heels. Um, you've got sleep deprivation. So where you should have been healing and recovering, you're not. When you look back, what are some of the things you pulled out as reasons for what should have been a, a highly functioning body to have that breakdown that you experienced? Okay, so so again, I apologize. So um, you're you're asking um, going through these 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 you know times without sleep and pushing on past the normal what considered you know human human possibilities, right? Um, what what helped to do that, or what do you think kept me from breaking down? That- no, no, I, I probably didn't phrase it very well. So without, I kind of loaded the question a little bit with some things I've seen break us down. When you look back, why do you think you had the issues with your Achilles? Oh, no, no, no. That, so with mine, I, I get what you're getting at. But um, with, with my particular situation, it happened because it's a, I think a, uh, it turned out to be a hereditary to where, like, uh, uh, I practice jujitsu, right? So... I got these little elbows right here, these little bony things. And, and on the heels, the guys would call them my talons, right? They're like, hey, man, you know, we hanging out there with your buddies on the, uh, on the telephone wire, you know? I'm like, all right, man. So, um, but yeah, so my, my body will produce. It's probably why I've never broken anything, right? So that recently I, I was doing some crazy shit on the bars and my, my finger bent all the way back. Definitely should have been broken, but it didn't, dude. Fucking crazy, man. And uh, it's all jacked up, but <laughs> but it's you know, only closes this much, but whatever. But man, never nothing broken, man. And uh, so my body forms this excessive bone mass, right? These bone spurs, all right. And sometimes you it, they get to the point where you uh, physical therapy and and just icing and heat and all that isn't enough. And, and in my case, I think the excessive so so yeah so excessive wear and tear caused that bone to form more because it's trying to protect itself, right? Which eventually led to the fusing of the Achilles and, and the bone spur together. And um, so every time it, you know, you piss it off, it swell up, pull on the, on the tendon. And then that would just limit, limit me. So, okay. So, so I guess, yeah, probably after years and years and years, uh, you hear this with runners a lot, right? With their knees and their hips and, you know, uh, we're not supposed to be doing stuff like that apparently or th- anything else. I think over time, yeah, whether it be what happened to me or anybody, um, I think it, it definitely takes wear and tear on you and you you need to, which a lot of us don't do, is uh, the maintenance part of it. So that's where we were getting at. Maintenance is, is key and I don't think we do enough of it and that needs to definitely uh, be, uh, in the forefront, right? Uh, like when we stretch now, right? We don't, we don't just, uh, uh, static, right? So they're dynamic, right? So they're, they're, you're, it's almost like you're working out, but in a very low pace. Uh, but what are we doing? We're preparing and loading ourselves up for what we're about to, to do. Now, you know, you look at at you and I, and, and it's one or two in the morning and the tones drop, and we're about to get physical, man. And on a whole different level, uh, yeah, man, we're not stretching. We're not, we're not doing anything dynamic. So even more so, uh, how we condition pre, right? Uh, you know, 
prior to this and continuously uh, is going to have an impact on how your body acts and reacts and then recovers on the backside uh, when we're done doing what we're doing. Absolutely. Well, I want to get to the the combat challenge, but just quickly before we do, um, I found that CrossFit works incredibly well for me and with some other things thrown in. It seems like the battle series is an element of an influence of that as well. So did you immerse yourself in, in the world of CrossFit? And if so, when did you find it? Yeah, no, no doubt. So it was early on. Um, man, I want to say shout out to my old box, CrossFit Tustin. Um, you know, and man, they're doing phenomenal now. They actually branched out to like three other boxes that they're a part of, man. But love these guys. And and one of the original owners was a firefighter. Yeah, man. Oh, really? The guy was like captain of his soccer team or something. Just two badasses. And and they were, you know, it was right down the road for me and I heard about it. But I think that was back in, God, man, uh, maybe about 12 years ago or something like that. I don't know. I'll have to do the, do the math, man. But uh, CrossFit Tustin, man, they, they've actually sent a few people to the games. That's kind of, you know what I mean? Like of yeah. all the boxes, that's, that's good. That's yeah. Not, man. So they got, they have one guy, look him up. His name's Kong. And I want to say he's a firefighter now. Kong. Yeah. Last name of, of Kong. I'll get you some info, intel on him, but uh, uh, just a real thick Korean dude, man. Just a badass. In fact, I think in his, age group he set the bar for um uh uh god damn it's something i can't do man because i got my shoulders just don't right the cling squat clings right right so up and over so uh but the crossfit man I, I i i i love it but you know it's not really conducive really completely everything to what we do so um uh we do that but maybe tone it down a little bit uh, or we call functional fitness. So we try to gear our workouts and uh, uh, our activities towards those in the military and first responder professions. So some of the things you see in CrossFit, you'll see a lot of what we do, but there's some things I just, I, we, we don't do, you know. Um, there's a reason why, like I said, CrossFit is great. I think it's, it's uh, uh, you know, I'll continue to do some things, but uh, I, I think a good mixture is is key um, in what 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 we do and and who we serve as the battle series, uh, keeping them fit to fight. We don't want them to come out because we know they're going to go 100 percent whether they're injured or not. And we don't want to to add to that or be the cause of that. So we want to make it fun. You're going to put out. You're going to leave your heart on the deck, uh, you know, your lungs, all that. Uh, a lot of sweat, blood, sweat, and tears. But, you know, we want to say that this could be done by everybody and anybody uh, out there, and they should be able to. And if you're not, maybe you need to rethink another profession. Absolutely. I think that's what I found with CrossFit too. I throw a lot of strongman movements into my training. So there's definitely CrossFit too, but I don't yes. focus on a lot of the, especially like the snatches and things. I don't find them very pertinent. There you go. There um, you go. Yeah. But, you know, the, the the explosive upward motion, like a, a clean, you know, just a, a power clean. I like those kind of things. But um, yeah, there's a lot of imbalances caused. The, the posterior chain, the fact we're always pronated with our arms when we're doing every single movement, those create imbalances. And the perfect example, yes. I think most people of our generation, when you think about pull-ups, it would be your palms facing towards you, supinated. 
Then you get into CrossFit. Everything is pronated. And now you're asked to just do simple supinated again. You're like, God, that fucking hurts. I can't, yeah, I can't right. hang from the bar like that anymore. So that's the perfect, you know, you want to, you want to self assess, hang from the bar with your palms facing. And if it's uncomfortable, you are in balance. So, <laughs> yes. um, all right. So then just before we move to the battle series, then combat challenge. Firstly, tell me about the new name and why, and then your experience competing. So, so it is, it is known, um, the group we're working with that I've been a part of since. Gotta have to go back, man, since 03, maybe. Uh, and then again, 05, and then picked it back up again in 07 and never looked back. Um, and then uh, during COVID, I just kind of like bailed on it and uh, getting back into it this year. But the Firefighter Combat Challenge is what it was known as. But now they're going under the name uh, Firefighter Challenge. So uh, they're just leaving the combat part out of it. Um, you know, I mean, it, it's what they chose to do and, and uh, might have to ask them on that. So that was, that was my quick fucking retreat. <laughs> um, I, was, I didn't realize the name had changed. I just wanted to bring it up. And, you know, it's uh, it's combat to, to, to ourselves. It's self-combat. But I understand that maybe it's a little... Even if you go to the website, it's still a combat challenge. So they need to get, correct that. But I don't think they're working on it. But anyway, so the firefighter challenge is a uh, uh was a a uh if we're looking for man just an event that started out 30 years ago with uh under the name of dr paul davis man just a phenomenal intelligent man who's, who's done a lot of work with uh special forces cia fbi all branches of the military dr paul davis you might want to have him on your show man he's a man super highly intelligent man um, and exactly who you guys probably looking to talk to, man. So, uh, and so he started the Fiber Call Combat Challenge as a way, uh, as a physical agility test, right? So five events in gear, on air, locked in, which really doesn't make sense. Like we're never going to be going through the fire ground at this level, this intensity ever. We are going to methodically, uh, you know, smooth is fast is going to bring us home alive. Right. But so this is like a physical agility test on crack. So uh, it it's, it's five events and uh, it starts off with a two and a half, uh, uh, two and a half inch uh, uh, hose, but hotel pack, hose bundle, hotel pack, right on your shoulder. You'll race up six flights of stairs, right? You can skip stairs if you want. All right. Uh, and then when you get to the top, there'll be a box to your, depending on what side you're on, your left or your right, they'll drop that in the box. All right. If it, if it bounces out, you take a penalty, right? And the idea is pay attention to detail because penalties on the fire ground cost you your life, right? So you throw that in the box, you, you maybe step, maybe a couple, about a, a foot or less over, there's a, a rail about, uh, uh, waist high or depends on how tall or short you are or whatever. Um, and you lean over and, uh, you have a, uh, uh, you have a rope attached to a two and a half inch, again, uh, donut roll, right? About four, these are 40, 45 pounds and hand over hand, whatever. Some people have different methods. You know, usually it's the throw it back, get that rope out of it, get that, that, uh, 
lot of rope out of your way. And, uh, and then you put that in the box. A lot of times it, it bounces off the other hose and comes out. So you really got to make sure slam that down and hold it. And then you race down the steps, uh, six stories, but you got hit every step, right? Coming down. Some guys look like they don't even touch it. It's, it's incredible. Um, so they come all the way down with, you got race officials following them down to make sure they're, they're hitting every step. If not, you get another penalty, right? So, uh, they're, they're penalty earned, never given. So as you come out of the tower, right now, you're on to your third event and about five, five feet out front of you is the Kaiser sled. This Kaiser sled, um, has, uh, what do you call it? Um, I guess these, uh, um, diamond plating rails, right, on either side. You'll step on that in the middle, right, is a 250-pound, I think, five-foot steel beam. So you have a nine, 10-pound 10 pound mallet, right, rubber mallet, that you have to drive this thing back. And, again, some guys could do it in, you know, three, four, five hits. Some guys could take, do it in 10 or more hits. It all depends. So you drive that back, take your hammer, put that in a – two by two uh, section. Uh, and if not, you get penalized again. From there, you race 75 feet through these, deli- these, these cones, delineators, and you reach down at the end of that, you grab a inch and three quarter charged hose line, throw it up over your shoulder out in front of you, bail closed, and you proceed back where you came through these saloon doors. Once you, and as you could imagine, depending upon the level of surface, but, you know, two and a half, three and a half inch charged hose line by yourself, which you'd never do, right? Um, becomes pretty heavy, really heavy. Like you'll go, you'll go, you'll snap back. And then, so you got to be anticipating that. You go through the saloon doors, there'll be a, a small target, a hole, and open up your bale, uh, straight stream, hit the target, it drops a, a metal flag, that's your key to close the bale and drop your nozzle. Continue on about 15 feet to your fifth evolution, which is a 175-pound dead weight rescue Randy. You'll pick that up and backwards now, because whenever you're going to be backwards on a fucking well, I guess if you're pulling someone out of fire, you will. So, um, but not at the speed we're we're moving at, right? So we're moving back, and then you have to go back 100. It's 100 feet, but you got to get the dummy across, so it's 106 feet, and then that's it. That's done. So I'm winded just talking about it, so think about actually being full gear, on air. Um, This is anaerobic, dude. There's nothing aerobic about this shit at all. It's 100% aerobic. You will taste your lungs. You will, you know – uh, it, it, it's a burn, dude. It's, it's like your most craziest CrossFit, um, you know, uh, um, exercise, you know, just, just combined. And some guys do this in, in under a minute and a half others, you know, um, if you can do it under two, two minutes, you're, you're, you're doing good, but you have up till six minutes to do it. So, uh, uh, so, so now let me back up. You do this, it's a race now. So now they have two sides, a blue side and a red side, and you race each other. That's where the competition comes in because everything we do turns into a competition, right? So, uh, hell, beating the engine to the fire, 
right? Who's going to get there first, right? And uh, so, so you're racing each other up the stairs and all the way down until you have a winner, man. But you're really racing the clock. But at the end, it's the quickest time sets aside who, what level you finished at. So that's pretty much the firefighter challenge uh, in a whole. And this is a worldwide event. You got it going on in Europe. Uh, you got it going on in Can- Canada under FireFit, uh, South America, uh, and uh, North America. So it's, it's truly a worldwide event. I have worldwide friends because of this. Uh, we talk about this all the time. There, there are brothers and sisters that I have. I talk to every day on Facebook, Instagram, only because of the challenge. I would never know these guys ever. So it's, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's really brought so many people together uh, for so many reasons. And we all feel the same way about fitness in the fire service. Like we're actually the ones being shunned. You want to do what? You want to work out how long? You want to, you want us to do it with you? Fuck that, you know? And so we're, we're the outsiders now. Right. And uh, um, you know, so it's, it's, it's getting better. I know you see this, but it's still a struggle to the point where the unions have got involved to say, no, we're not going to fire anybody because your fat ass can't pass the, the most basic of basic uh, physical agility tests. You know, we, I think they have it set up to where you have to pass your, your uh, physical test, right? Your blood pressure, your, your cholesterol and all that. But uh, I, uh, I think even if you fail that, you still can't be kicked out of the fire service. So it's almost like we're doing an injustice to ourselves because, you know, uh, what are you guys protecting, man? You know, sure. So not protecting yourselves because, um, you know, this guy goes down a fire. Now they're a liability, right? So you're there to, to, to handle business and, and save the lives uh, that are inside, uh, you know, the structure. Now your teammate goes down. Um, so what's your first instinct, you know, so now the civilians are on hold, you got to pull your buddy out and now that jeopardizes you and the entire op- operation. So, um, and then there's that part where, okay, you get through it, but then a lot of us, a lot of lives are lost on the backside because now all that, um, lactic acid, all that pump and junk, uh, gets circulated through the body and, you know, your body wasn't properly trained and properly prepared. And now we have a heart attack, right? So, yeah, that's a quick one, too. There's a lot more pathophysiologies that go into it. But, uh, um, yeah, that's that's what we see too often. Uh, and at the end of retirement, man, guys want to all of a sudden get physically fit. And uh, uh, I've seen this many times, man, gone to many funerals because, um, you know, they want to start doing all these physical activities and uh, they, they weren't ready for it. Their body just wasn't prepared. For what, even though it was simple, it wasn't as simple as they thought because they had spent years. Uh, and even more so when you get into the management side of it, you, these guys tend to uh, get even further away uh, from the, you know, from having to stay physical. So it's truly a, a uh, across the board issue and problem that we, that we have. Yeah. No, and I agree with you completely. And it sounds so callous when you're like, you know, oh, this, this, you know, the fat ass and everything. But it's, you, it, this 
profession isn't for everyone and you've got one of two people again going back to the environment we are killing our men and women we are creating an environment for them to fail with the way that we work them at the moment so my thing isn't about like you know headhunting anyone who's not in shape and getting rid of them it's creating that crossroads you know taking them off the line giving them a wellness initiative giving them support to get back to where they need to be and then that small percentage 10 or whatever that has no 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 you know willingness whatsoever to actually get back to where they should be those are the ones you have the conversations you know a year from now like should you still be here but the phrase that i always pull up is how would you feel if your family died because the responder hadn't trained if my fucking son died because you couldn't even make it up to the you know sixth floor to go pull him out how as a parent would you feel and now put oh, that wow. back into your role as a firefighter so i'm always very very fair with this because kudos to anyone in the fire service who's maintained their fitness because you've done it in most places despite the environment not because of it i'm absolutely 100 percent behind a huge wellness movement to help as i said though what was once a fired up you know firefighter to sit on a diamond of whatever training ground to get you back to where you need to be but this anti-fucking strength and conditioning wellness initiative and i'm glad that you said the union first because i talk about this all the time there are some great union members that are all for strength and conditioning but more often than not i mean there is no standard like we call our training minimum standards and yet once you go through that's it and it's just accepted and that's it's absolutely wrong like if you want to be an accountant 400 pounds knock yourself out but you're responsible for lives you know the and then go back to i think we talked about this when we we first chatted one thing that blew me away that i was a member of for a long time was the lifeguarding community they have standards if you and i do our pull test and we can't make it in the time you're not a lifeguard anymore. You didn't pass your cert. And that's every single... I mean, if you work for somewhere, you're, you're doing that all the time. And certainly for your research, which is what I think it was two years in the lifeguarding world, then that's it. You don't. You just don't have a certificate anymore. Same way as in EMS, if you, you know, rather than doing CEs, if you had to retest, you know, you had to do your mega codes and all those things. So I agree with you wholeheartedly. Like the opposition is what nauseates me. If all that time and effort in trying to get out of exercise and trying to oppose it and this whole absolute bullshit rhetoric of, oh, you're trying to take our jobs, you took your fucking job because you knew exactly what was asked for you from the beginning. You gave it up, bro. Like you you came in all gung-ho and somehow you, you, you thought maybe, you know, that's someone else's position, that's someone else's, someone else's job, man, but... Uh... Yeah, I don't. I, I guess I never really understood that, and, and I was pretty boisterous about it, and probably rubbed a uh, rubbed a lot of people wrong. But uh, you know what? Fuck you, because <laughs> like I said, um, if I'm at this age and and I'm leaving you at the starting line, then you got a problem, man, and I got a problem with you. Absolutely. And the thing is, for me, I hand on heart have never been the uber athlete i'm not the fastest i'm not the strongest i'm not the most flexible you know what i mean i'm just trying to make myself the best version of i can be you know of me that's it it's all i can control and there's people you know faster stronger everything every every kind of avenue there's people that far surpass me same here man all day long i i i uh i i do what it is i need to do and then some but uh you know i'm not you know, we, we are professional athletes, man. We, we are professionals. We're, we're, we're required to do things 
that are su- superhuman, man. And, uh, you know, it's cool to, you know, just because, uh, like, again, you pass academy and whatnot, um, doesn't mean you stop. You got to keep on, keep on, you know, and, uh, to, to have gone through 23 years, uh, I 100% could sit here and, and say, uh, and back up what it is that I'm trying to promote, which is fitness, health, and mental well-being. Um, I wasn't gifted anything special, man. Yeah, I got some good genes, right? You know, uh, my mom is staying with this man. She's a freak in nature, but uh, more energy than, uh, than all of us put together. But yeah, so, you know, but then again, there's no, no excuse. You got yourself through the academy. You, 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 you met that bar, though it might have been the minimal bar um you got through it and then somewhere you you didn't feel it was necessary to maintain um you know like the path of least resistance you took the 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 least um you know glamorous or you took the 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 easy easiest route um you know and you kind of just you know some departments like ours um you know didn't we don't have a lot of call volume so it's easy to go down that path of least resistance. And there's other departments like, I don't know about yours, but let's just say you work inner city, LA city, man, where you're like, my God, I can only imagine, um, you know, work to stay with Cal fire for a second, man. These guys were just, just pinging, man, especially if you're, you're a medic, man. And um, so a lot of, a lot of calls, but uh, yeah, man, it, it, I, I, I don't have any sympathy, man. I don't, I just don't, man. If, if, uh, if you don't want to holy or I wasn't the best medic, I wasn't the best firefighter, I wasn't the best of anything, but, but I could be counted on. And, uh, um, and, and especially if, if you needed me in there to get you out, right. Um, I, I could be counted on, you know, and I expect that of you, uh, next, next to me. And this is, and it wasn't, you know, even on my transition out, what I call the, vacation station my uh, sunset over in seal beach working with those boys man that was that was one of the best times man great way to go out uh with a great group of guys man i i was just over there yesterday shooting shit man you know uh it, it was great still is but uh you know like i said even the from the second i stepped on the fire ground i stepped off uh you know i i still have that same motivation that same drive you know and and uh I was uh, privileged and honored and humbled to, to, to hold the title of firefighter, man, you know, and, and whatever level, but Dino guys, uh, I'll give him a shout out. Christopher Conley, man. He's the head chief head Kahuna down in San Diego. He's now in Guam. I know him. Stand, I just, man. I just sent him some t-shirts. We, we, I just saw him fucking post, legend. you know, like something like best job and he's sitting there, you know, standing there with all the Guam mountains in the background. Cause I've been to oh, Guam. Oh dude, I he got looks like he's an island boy. Mm. Island boy. Now that, that guy's always been, he came on the San Diego yoked out and then he got, you know, started to get more trim, but he's still a, a force to be reckoned with. He was, uh, he was on the combat challenge team, he, a heavy promoter, but fuck, even at his level, he couldn't, um, still control what went on with the union, man. His eyes were tied, man. Here's, here's a, a chief at a high physical level, like big waterman, big canoeman, man. And, uh, we talk, we talk a lot, man. We, uh, 
not every day, but but you know, I'm tracking what he's doing. I'm tracking what you know what he's tracking what I'm doing. I'm tracking what he's doing. Um, you know, his son's on the fire service now, so his whole family kind of like mine. And you know, again, it's leading from the front, man. We're we're you know, our family is a product of what we what we do, what we become. And now my son's getting ready to go on the fire service right now too. So, uh, you know, very stoked and 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 uh, and humbled, man. But now, Chris, man, Conley, great guy. He's over in Guam, and that's where my ex-wife comes from. So, uh, there's some good people over in, in Guam, man. Half a day, half a day, as they say, man. It's like the Aloha. But uh, yeah, dude. So, so yeah, it's key again. Um, doesn't matter what level you are, you still have no control over, uh, you know, these, you know, the, the fitness aspect of it, man. But, uh, he was, he, you know, he was very helpful in allowing the combat challenge team, uh, time to train. He would, he would send it to his battalion chiefs and say, listen, man, Cliff and the guys need time to train. Can you make this happen? Um, and for the most part they did, man. So he was a very instrumental on, on team, which they don't exist anymore. Right. He's gone. I'm gone. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, uh, uh, it was, it was good times, man. So uh, if you hear, if you talk to him before I did tell him, I said, uh, half a day. <laughs> I will. It was funny cause I sent two shirts to him and of all the 300 and something shirts I had made, it was, it's the sweat activated one. So on the back, it said, uh, lives depend on you when you sweat. Well, oh, he shit. got one of the two that didn't work. That just for whatever reason, I think when the printers maybe didn't put no. the first one through, so it went all the way to Guam, and then uh, he's like, "Dame James, I'm so sorry, but one of these the message doesn't come up." So I sent him another one straight away. But That's yeah, I'm hilarious. like, it couldn't be like you know down the road in Florida that has the shit shirt, but no, it was all the way in Guam. So uh, so yeah, it was quite quite funny. So that's why I remember Chris because you know we had that whole interaction. So. What you are doing now is bringing solution to a problem. That's the thing. So, you know, we, we talk about the, you know, the, the fitness problem in, in the fire service. You know, there's some amazing people. There's some people that would just need guidance that would be back to their amazing selves yeah. that they yearn to be and have long, healthy retirements. So talk to me about the creation of, you know, what you're doing now, because I think that is what we need as we come out of this pandemic where the wellness message was completely thrown in the trash and all we ever heard was conspiracies and vaccines and you know god knows what else we need the McDonald's. These- <laughs> the McDonald's open bro shut down the gyms exactly you are mirroring what i've said for a year and a half so what needs to happen is we need to break the inertia that people had of being stuck in their homes and get them fired up again that's why i made the shirt it wasn't i don't I'm not a t-shirt business. I just wanted something that would inspire people to go out there and sweat. And you've done the same with the battle series. So talk to me about the genesis of that. And then for people listening, where can they find it and, and join? Well, uh, first off, before I forget, we got to, we got to trade some swag. So I'm getting some stuff made up. I'm kind of like, you know, more so about laying that foundation. And we're now just finally coming out with, uh, with our coffee. It should be here in a couple of weeks. So look out for that. I'll send you some. And, and, uh, and let me know, man. If it's shit, spit it out. But uh, <laughs> it, it should be pretty good. It's got some medium dark roast, so it's kind of that in between, man. I don't know if you do coffee. I just started a couple of years ago, uh, more towards uh, the uh, you know the health aspects and fitness. You know, like anything moderation. So I'm a one, maybe two, but for for the most part, you know, one one cup and and then we'll move on. So, but uh, uh, yeah, and we'll get the shirts and everything up. So. The USS Battle Series, man, uh, we 
We uh, were established in 2016 on the flight deck of the USS Midway, known at that time as uh, Kettlebells and Alarm Bells 911 Throwdown, and which I still love the name. But, um, you know, so that event was strictly military and first responders, no civilians. A couple uh, Navy SEAL guys won that one along with a couple cops and and uh, some some sailors off of the uh, Carl Vincent, I think, at the time. So, um, yeah, we didn't have any firemen there. I don't know. I think they were too busy uh, enjoying themselves on their day off or something. I don't know. Uh, but, uh, you know, so, uh, no, we had firemen up there, but I don't think they had the podium that day. So we had a great turnout, man. Um, went well. And then we went on to the Battleship Iowa after that. USS Texas, uh, out towards Galveston. Uh, this year, we're going to be on the flight deck to throw down on the Yorktown and uh, Mount Pleasant, Charleston, South Carolina. So the battle series, again, promotes fitness, health, and mental well-being, right? So the idea was uh, to give a place that, you know, that these, these young men and women that are currently in or transitioned out, uh, you know, something that they could call their own and just be amongst each other uh, for support. And, uh, you know, fitness to me has always been, you know, what I use for my mental medicine. Uh, not a lot of people know this, but uh, uh, I myself am a 100% disabled veteran. Uh, so people look at me like, disabled? Yeah, we could, you know, they joke, you know, say, oh yeah, mentally you're disabled, but they're not too far from, uh, you know, uh, from the truth there, man. But uh, it's no joke. And uh, I'm not big on meds uh, unless it's supplements and something to supplement, supplement uh, something more I need. But, uh, uh, you know, I'm not about being gorked out or laid up, man. I got to be consistently moving, man. I'm that shark. Once I stop, I'm dead. So uh, fitness is my mental medicine, man. And I want to share that as much as possible with, uh, with my brothers, my sisters uh, out there on all levels, man. And so the Battle Series was born, man. And a couple of years later, uh, became the USS Battle Series. And we go from ship to ship, port to port, West Coast, East Coast, uh, performing these functional fitness competitions on the battleships and uh, aircraft carriers throughout the United States. And, uh, you know, we're just now, we were supposed to, after being out for about a year and a half, uh, get our get our launch right on the, uh, the deck of the Hornet in San Francisco. And it was a very, very tough decision. But, you know, as the guy leading the front, I had to, had to think long and hard about this. And uh, I just thought we weren't ready, man. And uh, I didn't want to give a half-assed competition. So, uh, you know, everybody was pretty, uh, you know, uh, except, you know, they understood. They understood the mission, right? So, uh, you know, so now we're coming out out of dry dock, as we say, when a ship goes in for repairs, it goes into dry dock and it, it gets it's all, its, all its training and everything you need and geared up. And then you go out and you do your sea trials, right? So um, uh, May 1st, we're doing our first uh, health and fitness expo on the battleship uh, Iowa. And that's going to be May 1st during Military Appreciation Month. Uh, so 
first of the month. And we're going to be promoting, uh, we're going to have some health instructors down there and tips on fitness and whatnot. We're going to have uh, the children's blood bank down there, get some blood, uh, COVID van down there and all that stuff. And, and uh, doing our open ceremonies, which we love to do, uh, honor guard, national anthem, and then, uh, you know, do a four hour health and fitness expo. And then the next month in June is when the big, the big show goes down with the uh, physical competition with the local community and uh, military first responders. We have the uh, uh, Patriot parachute team coming down and landing on deck. And these are some, you know, heavy hitters, man, uh, SEAL team guys and, and, uh, and Rangers, I believe, and all that. So that's going to be pretty badass. Hopefully we'll get some national attention on that. And then we just get a way to promote what it is we do and, and, and continue to move forward, man. And you giving us this platform and able to tell our story, uh, we appreciate, man. And we're hoping that we can continue to build this. The, the, the business, the overall plan is, uh, James, every month, like Spartan and Tough Butter's doing, but from the decks and, and tell American history. We're doing these from the decks of, uh, you know, uh, American warships, brother, you know, where lives have been lost and, and, uh, uh, you know, the red, white, blue, the path has been paid for our freedom. So we get to tell that story. We get to uh, uh, give a place for these young men and women to, to, to connect and have long life, uh, hopefully friendships, uh, kind of like we did with the challenge. So, so on that note, the Firefighter Challenge and the Battle Series are teaming up for our first event, joint event together uh, at the Yorktown. So, oh, really? Oh, dude, it's going to be, dude, it's going to be dope. So, wide one, wide one, workout of the day will be the challenge. And it'll be a two team event. So, you and I, uh, you either take the top half to the tower and down, and I'll take the back half, right? And uh, the sled, uh, the, the hose, the dummy drag, and, and whatever time we get is our time, right? So, it's either going to be six minutes, or, or, uh, you know, you'll either get a six minute time, whether you pass it or not, you'll get six minutes or you'll get whatever time you get, obviously the lowest passive score. And then wad two and three in the hero wad will be on the Yorktown on the flight deck. So it's a two part and they're looking to think outside of the box. They're rebranding. Um, they want to introduce the challenge to other people, not just firefighters. And uh, so so um, uh, I'm glad they're 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 doing this, man, and it's going to be a good good event. Hopefully, you'll be there, dude. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, my wife tells me I'm amazing in 90 seconds. So uh, yeah, you put one on your team. <laughs> love it, dude. Fucking love it, man. No, I do. I genuinely want to be there. So I stayed at Patriots Point about about a year ago. My wife and I literally had this kind of oh, I tell you what it was. I was I was going to interview um, Major Capers, who was one of the original Marine Recon in. Um, in Vietnam and a man who basically should have been given the Medal of Honor and wasn't. And there's probably a racial element behind it, you know, from all those years ago. So I went all the way up to North Carolina to interview him. Well, my wife stayed at Patriots Point. That was kind of the halfway point. So I drove up, you know, interviewed him, came back and we spent, you know, another night in uh, South Carolina. But the oh, venue, shit, you know, the actual area is absolutely stunning. You know, the, like you said, the military history. I think when I did the research on your website, the Yorktown, I think was part of, uh, retrieving some of the astronauts from the, one of the fifties. 
space right. flights, um, yeah. you know, aside from the military stuff. So yeah, I mean, it's such a great idea. You're outside. So again, it's everything that I've talked about. We've been missing this last year and a half. You've got fitness, you've got community, you've got fresh air, nature. I mean, all these things are combined. So I am so excited. So I, I'm, I'm going to do everything I can to, my son wants to go on a road trip anyway and to make that part of the life. I hope so, so, dude. We'd love to have you. Even if you did a, have you ever, uh, you probably have, but do you ever do live? Like, would you consider doing something from the deck of the ship, man? Yeah. I mean, I think one of the best ways of doing a live one is literally on social media. So we could do a kind of, you know, Facebook yeah. live from right there. So rather than a podcast episode specifically, more like a, you know, yeah. all that going on in the background and do some People sort of interview chiming there. in, interviewing, you're interviewing athletes. Mm-hmm. Dude, you, hey, uh, how can we help you, dude, to help others? I'm all about the team, dude. So, and we'll talk later on when we get off. We'll talk about throwing you guys up on the website and, and uh, uh, whatever we could do to get the message out there. So I appreciate this time, my brother. And uh, yeah, man, let's talk about that. I think that'd be pretty pretty dope man to uh, uh to get something going live man and then uh talk about other possibilities but uh, it'd be an honor to have you man no i would love to we'll, we'll we'll do everything we can to make that work now hopefully you've kind of got people interested now you've got a, a lot of people listening here you know really are pursuing their physical and mental health i hope i mean this is the this is the reason i'm doing this and it's the reason why i'm having these conversations because i'm on this constant journey so where's the best place for people to learn more about it and then where are the social media areas to connect with with either the the series itself or you yeah, so so thanks for asking. So uh, everybody out there listening, um, you know, please please share this information. You go to ussbattleseries.com, ussbattleseries.com. There you'll find uh, all the information you need, the who, what, why, where, and when uh, on this event and any other events we have coming up. So we're going to, you know, eventually, uh, you know, the two, three-year, you know, three-year mark is to have one every month on all these locations. Uh, we're in talks with New York. We're in talks uh, um, with the, uh, uh, the Mighty Mo out of, uh, out of Hawaii, um, you know, uh, uh, Corpus Christi uh, out, out that way. So Lexington. So we will eventually be on every ship. Uh, we like to do one every month. Uh, we think that, uh, um, you know, there's definitely a need for what we're doing. And again, we're not just single you know, just we're, we're multifaceted. So we're, we're trying uh, to cover a lot of areas, but, but give each area equal uh, attention. You know, we love to be able to share the history of America. We love to be able to teach the fitness, the health, mental well-being. Working with a gentleman uh, shortly who will uh, uh, be discussing about that, that uh, mental well-being side of it to where maybe the event uh, the first day is nothing but um, uh, having uh, men and women come out and uh, attend classes on ways they could do to uh, better, you know, uh, to 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 you know, kind of figure things out. We'll have uh, uh, keynote speakers come in, uh, therapists, and whatever we need to help these men and women get to where they need to be, where they were, where they need to go, and and and. Uh, um, and uh, and find out that there's there's a, a a large community out there willing to to stand by and help them. Not just hey we're done now. What do we do? Uh, but there's other things like the the battle series 
out there that's not just a physical, uh, but also mental battle as well. So we, we hope to add that element and truly be uh, a place where you, know, you could go down, go down physically, or you just come down and watch, or you could come down and learn about uh, some of the reasons why you might be doing what you're doing and, on, uh, and to learn about ways to, to, to deal with those, man. So we're hoping that we can really uh, cover and help everybody. Beautiful. Well, I hope first you get some firefighters on the podium if what one is the firefighter challenge. So yeah, <laughs> let's, right? let's yeah, change yeah, that. But I love yeah. this as well because it. I think what one of the problems why we struggle with the physical side is if you're an athlete, you have your on-season and your off-season. When you're a firefighter, a cop, you know, a paramedic, there is no off-season. Even in the military, you know, you have pre-deployment and you have deployment. You know, they have post deployment. So it's this hamster wheel that we get on. And I think it's very important to give ourselves goals. And, you know, Spartan races have always been a good thing for me, martial arts tournaments, whatever it is. Um, but this sounds like a great opportunity for people listening to pick one, you know, probably further ahead now, seeing as we're so close to the first one and be like, all right, we're going to go compete on, on this ship. You know, it's kind of close to us. It's in our state. And now you have an actual goal and it's pertinent to what we're doing. As you said, there's community. There's so many other areas. Um, and it's the kind of, kind of event where I feel the fire service, you know, or, or law enforcement, whatever is the people that aren't competing would actually want to come and support versus, Hey, I'm doing 100%. the, the hoedown slap down CrossFit competition. So, 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 so on that note, uh, I want to put out and I, and I might have done it, but, um, so if, if CrossFit is something you're worried about, the, the snatches and the certain movements, I'm going to tell you right now, um, these are all doable. You will put out. You will put out. You will fucking sweat. Um, it will hurt a little bit, but they're all doable. So if you like to compete or if you just want to go out and get a good workout in and fuck the competition and you just want to be around others like you or who you inspire to be, um, Come on out, man. If you just want to check it out and, and uh, support by, you know, clapping and all that, that's great. If you want to uh, say, hey, man, I could do this or I, I should have done it, then, then, then by all means, go ahead and do it. Um, because it's really made for everybody and anybody. Um, nothing is really too out the box, man. There's not, no crazy movements. Uh, they're all doable. Uh, but it's just how, how much more you do those is compared to the guy or gal next to you, man. So it's just made for uh, uh, for some fun, fitness, and uh, community, man. So you will meet people that will, you know, you'll you'll know for the rest of your lives, man. And uh, that's what we enjoy doing is sharing uh, that community that we have that's so so far spread out, man. Um, and you'll find others like you. Um, you know, that like to do what you do. And, and uh, uh, if you're not getting it out of the fire service or whatever unit you belong to, you come out to the battle series because there's a lot of other, you know, what they call us freaks uh, like yourselves, man. So, <laughs> you know, that uh, will enjoy to, to to do what it is you, you like to do. So, yeah, man, come on out, sign up, usesbattleseries.com and, and get a taste and hopefully you like it and you're hooked up and uh, you continue to, to go to some of these real cool places that we're going to be going to. Brilliant. Well, Cliff, I want to say thank you so much. It's been a, an amazing conversation. I know you've got to go and be be a, a 
present father now. I've got to go and be a I present know, father yeah, yeah. on my end. So thank you so much for such a great conversation. And thank you for, for you know, transitioning out of, of your role. And like so many people have been on here, then picking up the reins and saying, I want to continue to make the world better. So I appreciate you coming on today. Yes, sir, James. All right, man. God bless you. And uh, I hope to see you soon, brother.